Welcome to Across the Pond, Marketing Transformed, a podcast that explores ways to transform your business and marketing strategy, whether you are a rising star, entrepreneur, or experienced professional. A show packed with stories to inspire success and build a growth mindset for you and your company. Featuring global brand CMOs, transformation experts, and business founders, your co-hosts, Chris Lawson in London, UK, and Samuel Money across the pond in Philadelphia, USA. Welcome to episode 23 of Across the Pond, Marketing Transformed. My name's Samuel Money, Philadelphia in the East Coast of the USA, and I'm joined by Chris Lawson in London in the UK. Say hi, Chris. Hey, Sam, how you doing? I'm doing great, sir. I'm really excited about this week's show. I think last week, we had a, a great episode when we talked about the power of fans and building communities and the true passionates behind the brands such as Insecure or Sex in the City, as well as, you know, the marvels of this world and the sci-fi. And we, we actually made a good case for why marketers should be adopting those ideas and um, got some good responses, didn't we? Yeah, that seems to go down really well. I think I think that's the point, really, isn't it? You, we were finding that there were other people, similar views, a few counter views, uh, creating that community. So, yeah, all good. I mean, it's been it's been great, hasn't it? The more podcasts we do, the more momentum they seem to get, the more comments we get and feedback to make them better, which is how it should be. So please keep it coming, everyone. <laughs> we do appreciate it. And uh, we do make sure that we look and uh, all of the feedback, however we receive that and see how we can incorporate that in future shows. Yeah. And with that in mind, I think this week's show, we'll be talking about B to I, not B to C, I business to individuals, not business to consumer. So much of marketing is about trying to target people on a personal level with the goal of being relevant and intimately meet the needs based on the relationship that's been established. But that kind of runs counter to the mass market approach that has been a tried and tested strategy for decades. My marketing career started at Safeway in the UK, a grocery retailer, then Gillette, um, a you know, packaged goods company, and then Procter & Gamble, big behemoth. Those are all big companies with big brands. And for the most part, They've been using their clout to reach broad audiences. And P&G, for example, until recently, was the largest advertiser in the world. But according to Statista, in 2019, they've been overtaken by Samsung, and I think about $11 billion that they're spending on advertising around that, that amount. So now as a P&G, that sort of badge of being the biggest spender used to be a badge of honor to basically say you have all that advertising clout. Uh, and all that infrastructure and expertise. And that kind of made us proud about what we did and how we did marketing in that traditional way. But mm. knowing the big bucks, you know, so to speak, are still spending on traditional, broad and mass reach advertising, Chris, is this B2I stuff, just a buzzword, the marketers <laughs> really know what they're doing and take it seriously? You know, couldn't we just stop the show now and just focus on something else instead of this B2I idea you've got? <laughs> Yeah, well, well, fair point on that, Sam. I think you know we're 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 debated, but let's let's give it twenty minutes before we uh we finish ah, that debate, on. please. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, I've always been an advocate of targeted direct marketing. Um, you mentioned Safeway; uh, that was the department I was in. It was all about loyalty okay. marketing. It was all about the findings of the segments and targeting them accordingly. My whole career has been around c- 
creating targeted relevant campaigns to different segments of audiences. And, um, and really, my philosophy has always been why go mass when you can go smart? You know, so if you can, if you can be clever at what you're doing and spend less and be more efficient, then it's not really about the big bucks, I don't think there, Sam. Um, mm. But but here's the rub. So groups, community and fans, clearly everything we were talking about last week, incredibly powerful for engendering loyalty, extending revenues or helping affect change. But then as marketers, we spend half a life talking about personalization at least. Yeah. So I get the argument about getting back to mass communication and making people identify with each other. So B2I may be a buzzword. I mean, well, not even may. It is, isn't it? It's uh, uh, we're, we're great at uh, bringing up yeah, new, new ways. Yeah, great coming up acronyms that no one understands or perhaps no one cares about, Chris. So are people going to care about B2I? Yeah, absolutely. But I think the philosophy isn't new, and I think it is sound. It's fair enough that still the, the mass spend is reaching broad segments, but I guarantee you it's not the most efficient spend that we could do from a marketing perspective. Mm. So I know you're being purposely antagonistic uh -huh. there. No, just, uh, I would never and, do that, Chris. Well, at least once a week anyway. But but anyone who doesn't see the relevance of using tech and data science to give customers what they want has already missed the boat, in my opinion. Ooh. You, Ooh. you look at all of the sort of innovations that are out there. It's about trying to create that, getting closer to the customer. I think the interesting question is how you marry all of this up last we talked about the power of fans mass communities yep. all to be linked with a common interest mm -hmm. and uh, it's about how do you bring that back to the the person I mean, interesting, Sam, I was, I was thinking about the hashtag, um, that way we label our say, ourselves, label our interests. It's absolutely revolutionized how we self-form around groups or interests. And, and let's face it, 10, 10 years ago, it would have been seemed really odd. Even that word hashtag, I think the, the only people who really knew it was coders, weren't they? Um, and the rest of us thought it was a redundant symbol on your own keyboard. That is a good call. I remember first years ago when, around the advent of social, trying to explain to people what a hashtag is and how to use it. And it was, people couldn't understand the concept. Now, um, sort of 10 years later, clearly it's the folks who don't know what a hashtag tig, uh, tag is are the minority and everyone gets, even weddings now, if you don't have a hashtag for your wedding, like, is anyone coming? Does it exist? Where do they, they post the pictures? <laughs> yeah, it's very true, mate. Very, very true. But look, so, so therefore, let's let's not dismiss that concept of B two I. Let's okay. let's indulge it a little bit. And and I think, mm -hmm. you know, when we look at it, uh, the nature of it is about connecting with human beings. So it's business to individuals rather than not ensuring you don't confuse it with business to business or business to consumer. You know, your customers, your customers that are influencers and the influencers okay. to a final audience actually is so um, now it's seen much more of a network effect where you're focusing on the end-to-end -end experience and you and you better make sure it's a good one. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and I get that. I've worked in a number of different marketplaces where actually it might be business to business to, to consumer or alternatively it's a marketplace offering so there's a, a um, B2 
business to consumer element and a business to business element and and to be honest you can you can wrap yourself up with lingos and technology but bottom line is unless you ensure that you've got a great customer experience for those end users then you really haven't got a proposition and I, and I think that's where traditional marketing sales, where they've had specific B2B or B2C approaches and potentially been quite siloed with you know, right. potentially sort of business-to-business focused marketeers or you know, direct-to-consumer marketeers, um, now where it's been morphed into an all-encompassing sort of category. And, and that's because customers are increasingly demanding and, and vendors have to engage and partners have to engage with them on their their own terms. I think the other aspect of this is in conjunction with data, um, it could be about a mindset really where we're taking personalized marketing to the next level. Um, you know, if, if you think what we try to do with marketing where it's all about building trust, mm-hmm. we want to sort of demonstrate we understand our customers' needs. We want to work out how we support them. We want to make sure we become their trusted advisors. We want to okay. stay with them for the whole length of the journey. You know, we talked about lifetime value. Um, And we talk about once we establish that relationship, then they share their experience with their peers or the advocates or fan groups, and it builds momentum. Well, well, all of that is only possible if you start to think that you've got a relationship with an individual rather than with a company or a a segment, for instance. So, Chris, I'm going to push you here. So, you know, how is this different? from just doing marketing well and being commercially savvy to having the right propositions, right ideas and products in the market. Sales and marketing, both driving collaboratively together. Isn't that just modern marketing? Well, look, I'll tell you what, if, if it was modern marketing, I'd be, I'd be very happy. Because the reality is, is that, as, as we talked about before, you have to be careful that marketing isn't like the emperor's new clothes where effectively just a, a selling, selling a spin and or you're selling something that you've already sold three or four times over. And, and in one sense, what I like about it is that it's kind of nice, really, that we go back to where we were. You know, we talked about retro a couple of weeks ago and and this view that where we're trying to create a more individual sort of shopkeeper um, mm-hmm. scenario where, you know, we know where you live. We know a bit more about you. We actually have a personal relationship. We, we understand that you came in last week and you bought a product and we want to know how, what that purchase was was um you know and, and there's there's technical areas of doing it you know google maps and you put in and it brings you back and it goes welcome home you know nice touches to some creepy touches to other and mm-hmm. and we would we'll debate that a bit more i'm, I'm sure but but one I really like is is Spotify. They Discover mm-hmm. Weekly. You know what? There's a Spotify's got what over 20 million songs, um, mm-hmm. and it has over about 150 million users within that. And you can get absolutely lost in it. I mean, I, I like listening to a, a lot of music, a lot of diverse music. Um, but Spotify uses machine learning to help deliver a sort of tailored playlist um, of songs. But it also has different categories as well. It has your Discover Weekly or Radar for all of the new stuff. And, and it learns from what it's learning from you and your listening habits and what it learns from other listeners and their listening habits and trying to create a more accurate view as to what you're going to be interested in. 
Um, but you know, Spotify and, and Netflix is another example of that, where it's other people like this, um, like you are watching this or listening to this. And, mm-hmm. and, and what I find quite fascinating is on one side, we've got this selfish, egotistical characteristic that we've all got within us, right. where it's all about us, all about meeting our individual needs exclusively. Mm-hmm. But it's also about satisfying that other key part of our, our human psyche, about our sense of belonging, mm-hmm. our desire right. for comfort, that we're not alone in the choices that we make. Um, so, so I do like the fact, you know, whether it's called B2I or what, but I, I don't really mind about that. But I do like the fact that we're, we're trying to get closer to that almost personal individual relationship, which we may be more accustomed for. Okay. You've, I think you've got my attention. Uh, it's sort of <laughs> you cut you off there halfway through as you were getting deep and meaningful about sense of belonging and everything and i'm completely sold by spotify so yes thumbs up to you although you can't see me and thumbs it up uh, i love their insight driven approach you know they know me well enough to nudge me in a new direction and create uh, a taste breakers playlist which basically says stop being lame and listening to the same old stuff listen here's some new stuff that you can listen to and there's a the relationship of trust and respect. And I'm actually open to their idea. But they didn't obviously call it you're being lame and listening to, you know, they're actually trying to position it in a way that I'm receptive to. And in fact, they released new music um, at midnight Eastern time in the US. And I often stay up just to see what new music's come out. In the old days, you had to rush to the record store to get to hear the new remixes or the b-side to this you know new side Sade track or whatever 12 inch from some dance act so now you have that in, instant access and that intimacy immediately and it gets me thinking how well do brands know their consumers and how well can they know their audiences can they really get to know them intimately enough i basically dress head to toe in a brand called eddie bauer it's an outdoorsy brand in the US. I buy button-down shirts, jumpers, or I'm gonna have to, I have to call them sweaters in America. No one knows <laughs> what a jumper is. Um, undershirts and all of that kind of stuff. I have one of those membership cards, and I get regular discounts. So I just basically am, uh, you know, brand Eddie Bauer whenever I dress. So they have permission, based on what you're saying, to send me stuff, and based on how lazy I am at finding a different brand. Um, I'm not really into buying clothes that much. I'd probably keep the stuff they send me. They should know the kinds of things I like because I order them all the time. But are they actually set up to see this pattern? Do they have the empathy? Do they have the, the deep learning that you talked about? Do they have the analytics or the supply chain to do this? One thing for sure is I'm not going to go to a store to spend time and I'm not going to spend any more time online to find stuff on their website. They could do it for me and they probably make so much more money. So let's see what happens. Are Eddie Bauer listening after this show? <laughs> so is this Listeners, just a shameless plug no, it's to not, try it's and get some gear? Is this what it's, it's all about? It, it's, not, it's not shameless, but it's like the idea there that I just think I've been shopping them, doing the same thing for like eight, nine, ten years now. Yeah. And no, they've not taken the initiative to say, hey, we know you so well. Try this, try that, just like Spotify are doing. And, and, and that's, for me... You know, I'm sold on this B2I idea and I'm thinking about it in my terms, Chris. Mm-hmm. I want brands and companies to help me. Um, but, you know, tell me why you're so passionate about it. Uh, well, yeah, it's a good question. I think really it's a, my core philosophy that I've always tried to do marketing by, which is that how do you provide relevant, personalized, responsive content or communications to help 
improve the lives of the customers that you're trying to serve basically and and the other element of what i've always prided myself in is about how do you fuse marketing and technology with good insight to improve mm-hmm. the lives of your customers so so it comes together quite nicely but you, you also know i'm not a fan of buzzwords and and there's always a downside as well i read this uh, this uh, great article was i think the guy's called steve denning it was on forbes mm-hmm. um and he came up, um, and actually, I think he was quoting someone else, actually, so I must find out who he was actually quoting. But he said, mm-hmm. imagine a business traveler walking into a hotel room designed by a company that knows how to craft a B2I experience for its frequent visitors. And the room's populated with photos of their family generated in digital frames. You can understand that wouldn't be that difficult to do, to be honest, would it? Temperature of a room and lighting and just the way you like it. Um, again, you could get that from previous visits favorite music is playing again easy to do from previous visits um in your in her inbox is an email asking if she wants a salmon caesar salad without croutons mm. that she ordered last time she mm-hmm. turns on the television and suggests a movie she wow, hasn't seen that. starring mm-hmm. her favorite actress a rental car of a make a model uh, she's been eyeing for purchases available at the hotel, um, along with a reminder to take her allergy medicine if she can take a drive in the country. And, and yeah, he makes the absolute valid point that we can imagine that without necessarily wanting it, that that may be a bit freaky if all of that was actually done. So, so I think we we do have to ask ourselves, don't we, that there's, there's these nice touches where we we want to be surprised, we right. want to be delighted, but but sometimes there's a bit of an air of mystery or a, or a part of yourself that you don't want to communicate, and and where does it move into? This is my personal space. This is my personal data, and mm-hmm. uh, and how much of that do we use? I think it's it's a it's a real challenge, really. Yeah, I love that example where you're solving problems, meeting needs, making you feel at home, making you feel in the right mindset, in the right mood, and you're open and you're receptive to it. We're kind of a bit concerned nowadays with all this data privacy, and we're picky about who gets the info and how they use it. And so that example you share, Chris, sounds wonderful. I can buy into it. But you know what, Chris? It was my birthday the other day. And I I think one of those people actually quite likes their birthdays. But I have to say, I got a bunch of lame offers through email. Hulu offered me a free month's trial for the thousandth time. And I'm still not going to sign up for Hulu. So really, it's my birthday. Join something you, you've I've not, I've said no to like a hundred times already. And then a real story, Chris. Air France offered me a 30 euro discount in an email completely written in German. Now, <laughs> To be frank, I I lived in Germany for a period of time. But the last time I flew that airline was 11 years ago when I emigrated to the US. So I'm clearly data in their database. And I don't really speak German anymore. But somehow they decided to wish me happy birthday that way. So... I don't know. Do you, do you know how that conversation's gone, Sam? That that's um, you know the marketing team has sat around going right. We we need we need new customers, and they go right. We have got this pot of lap customers over oh, here who we okay. haven't we haven't talked to in a long time. No. What, yeah. what what possible reason could we get away yes. with to communicate with yeah. them? But yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's yeah. how it works. So let's send them a thirty euro <laughs> discount to someone in a different country who has moved away ten years ago because that'll work. Yeah. What a waste of time and money and effort. And so I'm again arguing that most brands in my life are in the dark ages when it comes to doing it right, simply due to 
their inability to do personalization, right? Because of the poor data quality. So can you share with our listeners examples of people who do it well, Chris? Yeah, I think I think the category that does do this very well is is actually gaming, um, and and you can look at that as a as a category from sort of social gaming right through, um, you know the the idea in terms of like getting to know your experience and then the sort of cross sell and the upsell based mm-hmm. on that I think is actually very powerful. Um, certainly the recommendation side of it as well, as in looking at the game titles that you um, do or have used. We, uh, when I was at Inspired Gaming, had a quite a sort of in-depth project looking at data algorithms based on what customers were spending their time playing and what other games we could offer them as a result of that and and it was, it was absolutely fascinating because you you realize there are there are actually some customers where what they really want is just to play the same game and you have to respect that as well because i'm not mm-hmm. interested in anything else i am just a fan of this game and that's all i'm going to play well others might have a broad portfolio of games that they want to choose from or others may just be quite choosy and only like a sort of a brand extension or a, a version two or version three of that and and i think that's fascinating again because you've got personalization one size does not fit um all in personalization as well ironically some people just mm-hmm. want what they've asked for they don't want any sort of embellishing of that so okay. but the gaming category i think is quite strong there but you know some i don't think also it is just about data uh there's still a a way to get intimate drive relationships and and, and that's about good experiences as well i think which doesn't have to yeah. be on digital and online yeah i think chris you're, you're absolutely right i remember first blogging about my experiences with the brand nespresso way back in 2009 and for me that's just one of the brands that permeates my soul and you know i always think of nespresso I acquired a new, what was called a cities machine when they launched it. And it cost me five hours of my life because I had to take the time to do a round trip to a retailer called Sula Tab, which was in the Chicago area at the time. And the traffic was horrendous uh, trying to get there and back. And I got there to get my new machine through the exclusive launch that they had because the official launch was going to be two weeks later. So I, yeah, I was going to spend five hours to get something two weeks early. And I think that just already says the power of exclusive launches helps motivate true fans, true consumers who you, you'll connect with to actually do something. And in fact, now for that brand, I'm fanatical enough to visit a store everywhere I go, everywhere I travel. So whether it's Barcelona, Stockholm, Geneva, Frankfurt or New York, I'm left in awe at how they excel at delivering a perfect brand representation of style, of indulgence, indulgence and premiumness in every and each location, Chris. I like to like feel special. I like to get the packaging. I like to feel as if this is something I'm entering this sort of coffee world. Hmm. And I think it's just not about providing this thing in my mind. It's actually tapping into the basics of great customer service. And, you know, the experience I had at the time, I recall spending $300 on a machine and receiving at least three phone calls in the first week to make sure that everything was working okay. And if I needed any more coffee, if I had used different features. And I think they knew that if you get a consumer up and running successfully and delight them in the first week, they can win. That was kind of a simple low bar, I think. But you know what, Chris? 
I've recently moved into a new home in the last year. We furnished it and we've applied it and spent a load of money on those furnishings and those appliances, right? And countless number of products and brands we've bought, yet not one of those brands we've spent like several, you know, three or four figure sums with have been in touch or connected with me in any real way. Mm. Despite the fact I've registered with like Bosch and LG, the best I get is a standard content and guess what, Chris? A 10% discount of some cooker ventilation filters. It's as if 10% discount is as personal as it gets for most brands and for most marketers. Stop sending me 10% discount offers and thinking you know me and you're getting to me so well. I'm not going to use them because I don't care about what you're sending me. Yeah, and I bet in a way that you know that that contact you had around sort of uh, Nespresso was was pretty worth about three three uh, emails on your birthday as well because it is it's about a timeliness, isn't it? It's not Mm -hmm. appearing formulaic i mean yeah clearly a nice touch to get a uh, call or an email on your birthday um from someone you respect but at the same time that that formulaic 10 percent discount or that formulaic oh it's my birthday here's 12 email spam from people i know just becomes wallpaper and consumers are just going to move around it aren't they yeah yeah and you know reflecting on on you know, what we've covered through the examples you shared and your passion for the area. I think there's a common theme that links a lot of these concepts. It's that it takes different metrics to actually understand how to do this well. Legacy businesses might tend to rely on volume and, you know, they're spending billions and millions above the line. So the 10% off is, is their way of activating against getting more volume, right? But in the cases of the disruptors of these brands that really get to connect with you, they're thinking about engagement. They're thinking about advocacy on social and, you know, abandonment of the car and what that actually means as an indicator of what you do or do or don't want. They look at the patterns, they look at the behavior, and then they try and figure out what is the human insight, what's the truth behind that, and solve that versus just sending another 10, 15% off this time. How about that as the next iteration of the solution? So I think that's what those companies that you talked about um, do really well. They really understand the sentiment of what I believe in and what I'm after and try and solve that. Yeah, I like that, Sam. Uh, definitely those metrics are uh, what needs to be part of the future. Um, now, that might be one of your three t- key takeouts, but uh, I'll, I'll let you have an extra one uh, because I think it's good just to sum up where you think we've got to in this session. Some really good points there. Well, I th- I'd start off by a quote that you said, Chris, and I'll take that verbatim. Why go mass when you can go smart? There's definitely truth behind getting to that personal, intimate level and solving real consumer needs driven by human insight. Secondly, you're going to have to have some sort of data strategy with a quality behind it, a cleanliness behind it, an empathy and true understanding of what it means to avoid those 10% off discounts. And thirdly, the right metrics to be looking at have to include advocacy. It has to include engagement. It has to include things like cart abandonment to really understand and go behind what consumers are doing and then looking to solve them in the right way versus your traditional volume metrics. Good. Excellent. I like that. And so next week, we're going to change tact slightly. Uh, We're going to look at transformation and the premise that what can go wrong will go wrong. We've, we've all been there. You think you planned for worse, and suddenly there's something else around the corner. When you're looking at marketing transformation or digital transformation, there is a huge challenge there in 
getting success off the ground. And we're going to look at some of the, the common mistakes and, and, and actually some of the uncommon mistakes as well. So I'm looking forward to it, Sam. Should be a good session. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. And as ever, you know, we ha- I don't think we've kind of talked about that one. So we've got to get to work and plan the next show. So until next week, Chris, have a great week across the pond. Well, that's it for this week's show. We hope you enjoyed it. Find more by visiting marketingtransform.com and click on the subscribe link. If you listen via Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud or anything else, then click on follow, subscribe or type Marketing Transformed into search. We're a new show, so please leave us a review, comment or ask a question. We'd love to hear from you. Get in touch at marketingtransformedshow at gmail.com.